For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. And a very good morning. Uh, Mick Mulcahy in for the uh, final time. Neil Prendival returning tomorrow morning. Uh, Crash closed until 2024 is the big headline on front of the Echo today. Parents of children who had attended a Northside preschool have said they are heartbroken to hear it will not now reopen until next year at the earliest, leaving 14 staff members without jobs and 100 families in the area without childcare. When I began to take over from Neil about three weeks ago, this was a big, big story. Uh, But staff at Before Five in uh, Churchfield, some of whom have worked there for over 20 years, were told last month by text message the centre was closing with immediate effect. The centre has provided preschool childcare for five decades, employed 14 people and had preschool spaces for up to 100 children. However, local people have stressed uh, that Before Five, which also provides a homework club and adult classes, is a vital part of the community. In recent weeks, there was good news, of course. Uh, it was revealed Northside Community Enterprises was to take over running the childcare facility. However, in a statement issued yesterday, uh, NCE Northside Community Enterprises confirmed it will be at least 2024 before the service will be in a position to open. Front of the Echo today. Uh, Examiner front page have children may have to travel for spinal ops. The Taoiseach says the alarming issues uh, have emerged in relation to children's spinal surgeries at Temple Street. You may have seen this on primetime last night as well. Children uh, face having to travel abroad for spinal surgeries amid fears that long waiting uh, lists for operations will grow in the wake of the latest scandal to hit the health service. Tishuk Leo Varadkar, former health minister, of course, said the alarming issues uh, that have emerged in relation to the surgeries for children at CHI at uh, Temple Street extend well beyond malpractice and may involve wider failure of clinical governance. Uh, We'll cover that and other uh, health-related topics on the programme this morning. Review of children's orthopaedics widened. Uh, There have been delayed experience by children waiting on orthopaedic operations. Uh, This is included in a review. Front page of the Irish Times, Paul Cullen and Martin Wall reporting that the independent review of spinal surgeries that had been carried out by a consultant in Temple Street Hospital is to be widened to cover all uh, paediatric orthopaedics in the state. The review ordered into safety concerns arising from the consultant's work will also examine the way the spinal surgery service has been run and the long delays experienced by children needing orthopaedic operations. Uh, The Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, has indicated. So top-level politicians getting involved here. Uh, Let's see what happens. A man accused of assaulting motorists, says the Echo. Liam Halen reporting that a man tried to hijack a car in Cork City, kicking in the windscreen and threatening to stab the driver during a psychotic episode. It was alleged by Gardaí. Detective Garda Brian Holland arrested 30-year-old PJ Field, of uh, Churchfield Green in Cork and charged him with assaulting the motorist at around 7pm on Monday, September 18th. Uh, This was at Coach Street, Cork, and causing criminal damage to his car. Read about that uh, on the front of the Echo today. Minister calls for more use of average speed cameras. Justice Minister Helen McEntee has called for the increased use of average speed cameras. Uh, Ms. McEntee said the technology should be a daily feature in a driver's journey. She said investment in mobile speed camera go save vans had doubled across the country, but that average speed cameras need to be looked at more. The minister signalled that increasing the use of average speed cameras could lead to a reduction 
in the road policing unit and a drunk deliberately drove his van at pub security staff as a story also by Liam Halen in The Examiner. A motorist deliberately drove his van at two security staff outside a premises in the East Village in Douglas following uh, an argument and has been jailed for five months. Colin Buckley, age 43, of Rose Cottage, uh, Pauds Cross, Blarney, County Cork, pleaded guilty to dangerous driving and related charges. Judge Olin Kelleher said that, uh, the defendant deliberately drove his van while drunk at two men and that this was not acceptable. The judge also remarked that the defendant's previous criminal record was so bad he could not suspend the sentence in this case. Check it out in the examiner. And um, also on the mail today, uh, I see a picture of uh, an old friend of the family, Marion Roach, so sad last night to hear that Marion uh, passed away. I was great friends with... Uh, her husband Tom. Um, so my regards to uh, Michael, the extended family, uh, to Magella and Daniel, of course. Um, that lady, Marion Roach, redefined the uh, the definition of lady, and uh, so sad to hear of her passing. Uh, so regards to the entire family. Drivers face hikes as oil surges. Uh, drivers can expect a rise uh, of a few cent in the price of petrol and diesel at the pumps as crude oil prices have hit their highest level for almost a year. We're up in the mid-80s now, 180s. Um, certainly looking like a two euros plus per litre of anything uh, in the run-up or just after Christmas. And a spokesman for the Fuels uh, for Ireland Industry Group said it will have an impact, but nothing like the impact that the Minister for, McGra- uh, for Finance, Michael McGrath, could have if he decides to put that final phase of the reinstatement of the excise duty on at the end of October. Restoring the duty cuts would add $0.08 cent to a litre of petrol and $0.06 cent for diesel. However, the industry does not expect the duty to be fully reinstated. Oh, really? Uh, oil prices have surged to a 10-month uh, high as Saudi Arabia declined to outline any changes to production cuts. Brent crude, the global benchmark, jumped above the $95 a barrel mark several times yesterday amid a flurry of predictions it could top $100 again. NCT is uh, experiencing its own traffic jam. 9,500 cars remain on the uh, test list. So almost 10,000 cars are still on the NCT waiting lists with customers waiting an average of 19 days for, 19 days for a test. Uh, a week uh, more than the uh, 12-day target. 19 days, I would have said, I tried to get one the other day and it was uh, end of February, start of March. NCT operator Aplis uh, will tell the Oireachtas Transport Committee today that significant progress has been made in reducing waiting times, but it's still falling short of its commitments to the Department of Transport. There are still 9,500 cars on the NCT priority list. That's down from 65,000 cars in February of this year. So they're making some decent progress there. 65,000 down to 9,500. But according to the NCT website, the first available tests for Carlo and Skibbereen are in March 2024. Told you. While February next year is the first available date for those in Cahars Iveen, Charleville, Enniscorthy, Tralee and Limerick. 88,000 no-shows for their NCT. Uh, Plus Automotive Managing Director Mark Sinnott will tell politicians on the Transport Committee today. Can you still pay on arrival? Uh, That would... uh, Stop the no-shows if you had to pay up front. Uh, and then, no matter if you didn't show, Aplis would still have been paid, but it would encourage people to turn up. As far as I know, you can still pay on arrival and not show up at all, which is um, why those figures are so big. Let's look at the Independent. All public bodies will be forced to accept cash payments 
following the NCT backlash. The car testing service to continue on with the NCT plans uh, to go to, uh, to go cashless has led to complaints. All public bodies will be told that they will have to continue to accept cash when customers are paying for services. Public bodies, this is now. It comes after the operator of the NCT car testing service was forced into an embarrassing U-turn when it said it would stop accepting cash for booking tests and only take electronic payments, bank drafts or postal orders. Maybe it's because of the no-shows. Um, if, if you have to go in and pay cash up front, people would be driven towards using a card anyway, but they must accept it. Uh, at point of sale, as they say. The announcement to go cashless by NCT operator Atlas last month prompted a massive backlash. Now, Finance Minister Michael McGrath has moved to prevent public bodies from blocking the use of cash to pay for goods and services. Many would welcome that. Back to the echo. Fake name belonged to deceased baby boy. Guardi have established that a 70-year-old man identifying himself as Philip Frank Morris after his arrest, is not this person. And in fact, it was the name of a boy who died in 1952, uh, aged just four months. We've made extensive inquiries, Detective Garda Porrick Hanley said yesterday, Cork District Court. He's not Philip Frank Morris. He, Philip Frank Morris, that is, died at four months old. We have interviewed his brother. The man now identifying as uh, Philip Morris appeared in court by video link from prison. His solicitor, Frank Buttermer, appeared on his behalf in court. And Detective Garda Hanley said, we're making inquiries internationally with Interpol all over the world. Mr. Buttermer said, for the purpose of clarification, the person that you believe is Philip Frank Morris is a a, a deceased and B, not this person here. And that you are continuing your inquiries to establish who this gentleman may be. The solicitor asked the detective how long it was anticipated the inquiries would take because the defendant uh, is not in his first flush of youth. Interesting story. You can check it out in The Echo. Heartbroken, a student dies in U.S. kayak tragedy. A much-cherished Ella trapped underwater during a uni trip. Tributes are being paid to a much-cherished student who died uh, in a kayaking accident in the U.S. Ella Mills studied at Trinity College, lost her life when she became trapped underwater in a river near Washington, D.C. A thankless job as bad for heart as obesity. Uh, Men with stressful jobs who feel they get little reward uh, or thanks for their work are twice as likely to develop heart disease as those in more fulfilling roles, a study has found. A similar risk to that associated with obesity. Researchers from Canada looked at a factor they called job strain, faced by workers who experienced a a combination of high job demands and low control over their work. This can include roles with a heavy workload and tight deadlines where employers have little say in decision-making, where employees, I beg your pardon, have little say in decision-making. They also looked at effort-reward imbalance, where workers feel that their salary recognition or job security is insufficient or unequal to the effort. I didn't notice that put me in trouble, but I did bring in some cakes today to make everybody happy, as is my want uh, on my last day. 20 minutes past nine, Neil Prendeville returns tomorrow morning. Right now, we'll take a commercial break. Talk to Neil Prendeville now. 0818 Cork's Red FM. And to our phone lines. Good morning, Donna. Morning, how are you? Very good. Um, it's kind of crazy that all of this has uh, has really 
it's it's developed over three weeks from really three or four weeks maybe from the closure to the reopening to the guarded and qualified welcome of the reopening by the staff who we found out would have to reapply for their positions uh, to now the operator saying that before five will not open uh, this side of 2024. Can we uh, hear about your particular case and your three-year-old son, Jackson? Um, yeah, so as as most of you know, Jackson is um, non-verbal at the moment. Um, so it's really his routine is everything. Um, and for the last month, he's been out of that routine completely. So the decline in Jackson is frightening. So he's now lashing out. He's limper. He's hitting his little brother. Um, and obviously you can't blame him. You know, that kind of way. He's been completely uprooted and he doesn't know what's going on. Um, even intellectually-wise, he's just going backwards. He's going back into himself. There is no progress in him whatsoever. Um, and the update we got yesterday, as you can see yourself, Mick, it's very vague. It's We're opening, we won't be open until 2024, but there's no date there. Is that January? Is it September? Mm-hmm. Will it be close to next Christmas? Like, there's nothing there to say, give any sort of hope to families like my own with a, a child with additional needs that needs education. They need early intervention and his has been robbed from him. Yeah, and that's it's not much comfort to you that they're quoting necessary survey works and subsequent maintenance works that need to yeah. be uh, undertaken before they can open. Like realistically, Mick, there was none. None of that was said um, in August when it was shut down. That wasn't the reason why. One of the one of the reasons why it was shut down. If it was good enough in August to put the kids into, and if it was good enough in July, I was just about to say the same thing. Why, on good God's name, can they not just do a bit of building work if that needs to be done? That's absolutely fair enough. But it cannot be that critical that they can't open until after Christmas or until maybe August. And they have to give us a bigger update. They have to say, okay, guys, that was kind of vague. Here's our progress. This is what needs to be done. This is the date we're hoping to have it done by. But we're getting nothing. Like, we had to hound for that update, that very vague update that we did get. We had to hound TDs. The staff were hounding the unions. It was ridiculous. Like, we've heard nothing in three weeks, and that's the first thing we've heard. And, and just to get back to uh, little Jackson for a second, yep. uh, have you any way back to the the facility he was using? Um, I do. So little hands um, is actually where he is, where 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 he was since he was one, um, and his brother goes there too. So they said that he can't go into his old class because morning morning spaces was gone, so he mm. couldn't have his morning space back. But they said that they'd take him in the evening for three hours. So I said, yeah, perfect. We'll give it a go. But it's coming to the point where he's lashing out in the morning because we're dropping Kyson and I'm on my own, so I can't really leave him at home, you know, that kind of way. So yeah. he has to come with me. So he's lashing out when we're dropping Kyson. Then when it's his turn to go in, he doesn't want to go in there because it's not his old class. It's not his old environment. It's different for him. So he doesn't want to stay there. He's freaking out. He's... I, it's just, it's heartbreaking to see him in such a way because he used to run into school. He loves school. Okay, so, but yeah, but in, in the mornings they'd probably go in together. He felt in, included. He, now now yeah. he's feeling excluded. And then when he eventually gets to on the afternoon, it's not to the familiar surroundings uh, and with the familiar classmates that he was used to. 
that's it and he had the best little classmates like they were they were the same age as him but they minded him you know he had friends there that knew that if they chased him he'd play with them you know that kind of way they yeah. were very clued into his routine and everything but now it's a case of he's watching Kyson going in in the morning and he's freaking out as in why can't I go and then when it's his turn he doesn't want to go he's freaking out because why he doesn't want to leave me because he's becoming so attached because he's with me now like 23 hours of the day you know what I mean and he's glued to me so I'm going to find it very very tough to put him anywhere now okay, especially so what, if they're what, telling me what, what you're really year. experiencing every day is, is, is this clinginess meltdowns um, anger temper and yeah and it's it's something that Jackson never had Jackson was never angry um, but now he's he has such a bad temper that he's just lashing out like his brother has bruises on him you know, and it's not his fault, but he's just lashing out. Yeah, so he's going backwards, really. And then, backwards, completely. As, as an entire package, he's not interacting as much, probably uh, reverted into himself, being a little introvert, and uh, and of course then the physical manifestation of lashing out. Uh, yeah, exactly. Okay, you know, all of this hardly the fault of NCE, but you would, you would expect um, a little more clarity uh, as the to when is- you might expect the classes to reopen. Yeah, the thing is, Mick, when they were saying they were taking over, they were the heroes in the situation. So I was so appreciative. I was like, I was willing to say, right, okay, whatever needs to be done, I'll I'll go with it. You know, there's no problem. If it takes a few weeks, it takes a few weeks. But the TDs at the time, they told us that if a, a company was going to take over, at max, it would take maybe eight to ten weeks. I remember that. To get, yeah. to get it taken over. Not nowhere near did they tell me that I was going to take three, four, five months. Nowhere, because I would have, I would have fought harder, because there's not, there's no way my child cannot have a morning routine for that long. There, and he's not the only one. You know, there's other kids in worse situations. It's just at the moment, there's no way that Jackson can stay the way he is, and be be told that early intervention is key when his was robbed from him. Do you, do you think of well? Not robbed intentionally, but robbed by circumstance, I suppose. Um, a bit of both, because like originally I never believed the whole this is why we have to close down situation. And now I'm starting to think, was there a lot more behind it? Like no one ever got answers why they shut down in the first place. So everybody just forgot. When NCE came in, everybody forgot to ask the questions. Now it's a case of we need, we need answers now so that I can say, right, okay, I need to get aims up and running. I need to get this. I need to get early intervention somewhere else and fight, fight harder to get him in other places. Like all along, I was told, hold off. It's opening. It will be open. Yeah. It'll be a few weeks. It Which will was be false open. hope, hold really. Off. False hope. It's complete false hope. And I don't have, the, I don't have the, the time for false hope anymore because it's my child is affected. It's not just affecting you, but it's affecting him in in a very detrimental way. What are, what are his absolute rights to uh, access to creche? Is it discretionary, or is it enshrined in in, in the constitution, or what? Um, I'm pretty sure that every child from the age of three to five are entitled to two full years of free education in the ECC um, scheme. Now, I, I think that there's there's little clauses like you have to find a spot. You know what I mean? And the spots are like gold dust especially for an additional needs child because he's not potty trained and it's a requirement in most of the preschools that I got onto when this happened that they need to be potty trained. 
Um, but unfortunately, due to Jackson's needs, I can't start that yet, as he does not understand. He wouldn't understand me if I tried to. Okay. Even, so, even, even though he is three years old? Even though he is three, he's not at the mindset of three. Okay. Um, you know, so it, it's impossible for me to potty train him as he doesn't understand. Like, Jackson, if you tell Jackson, go get a ball, he won't. He just doesn't, under, he just doesn't understand, you know, certain things. Um, like, he knows when he's hungry and he knows when he's thirsty and he knows how to get the food and how to get the drink. But he wouldn't understand me if I was telling him not to go to yeah. the bathroom in it. Okay, you know hang, what I mean? hang on there a second, Donna. Uh, Sinn Féin yeah. councillor Mick Nugent has been in the middle of getting new ownership for uh, the crush was, since yeah. the story broke in August. Joins us on the line. Uh, morning to you again, Mick. Morning, Mick, and morning, Donna. There's, there's morning. Been, there's been a meeting, apparently. Can you bring us up to speed? Yeah, we, um, and over the public reps in the area, we met um, the staff and their union representative uh, Monday, Monday morning. So at that stage... Some information that Thomas Gould had just got was that from the new provider and cottage how you care that it could be at that stage it could be December or January, you know, um that sources would be returned. So I think everyone at the meeting it was kind of realisation that it would take you know, it would take some time. But what we did kinda of agree at the meeting that the four T D S um and the six councillors in the area would co sign a letter to the NC and Coxie Childcare to do a meeting, just a kind of a round table meeting to try and get more uh, information and timelines both for return of all sources there, Mick, as well, and also when the process will start in terms of inter- interviewing for new positions. Now, these staff are quite anxious as well to, to get news on that, you know. Yeah, well, what are we looking at here? Shortage of funds? No, There's no shortage of staff. There's no shortage of willing customers. Is it a health and safety issue? Is it a planning issue? Anyone get to the bottom of that? Why can't it reopen quicker? See, see, yeah, and I think something we want to flesh out at the meeting. Well, Thomas was told that you know there'll be you know the surveys will be looked at, the internal building. There was mentions of fire doors and and various things like that that it would take um, some time, as outlined by the NC in their statement. So, like, but I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no, for people, you know. Okay, Donna. I'm sorry, no, Mick. At the end of a very long day. That can't be true, because if that was a stable enough environment to put kids in all along, why is it not stable enough to put the kids in now? Like, they didn't need fire doors back then, in July, in May. Why do they need to do them right now? Why is it so urgent that they need to do them in the middle of a year when kids have already lost out on so much? Yeah, so, sometimes, Donna, and uh, I know this to be true in the licensed license trade, uh, when a pub changes hands, it's it's a subject to a new inspection by the fire chief. And what may have passed because it was trading and they couldn't close to bring things up to I modern think, yeah, standards, Mick, I think, yeah, it's I think subject right, to, Mick, to, to yeah. a new investigation or a, a new survey by the fire chief and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and they presume, Mick, they're, you know, the new provider and, and I know providers have said that there's, you know, so many regulations now to go through. So, um, but it's a good question, though. You know, it's a good question, Donna pauses, and I think it's one that we'd like to pause at a meeting and we also said as well there should be a number of parents at that meeting as well because um, Donna and others, particularly parents of children with additional needs um, understandably are very anxious now, you know, so we were saying we'd bring a few uh, number of parents to that meeting as well so if we get that letter off hopefully we get an answer to that as soon as possible and they can get more information there, you know. Yeah, and as you say you want all four TGs in the area some of whom have uh, carry some weight with, with the uh, 
with the government parties and six councillors in the area. Yeah, and the staff, the union representative of the of the staff and uh, and parents as well, and we want to do that yeah. as, as soon right. as I possible, just, you know. Donna, I just want to say that I'm not. I'm, this isn't an aim at the TDs or anything or the local representatives because they've all been great. They've all really helped. But the problem with this is we're going around it nice, as in we've done the nice thing, we've done the protest, we've done this, we've done that. We've now we're talking about a letter that's signed by the four TDs. This business, it needs to know that the community is not okay with this. It's not okay with it being shut until 2024 because the kids are losing out. The staff have already lost out and they've already said they'll take a hit if they open the school at a lower percentage and they need to work on some of the school. But it's coming to the point where these kids could be out of education until January, February, maybe even September of next year. And they need to know it's not okay. Like, they need to know that everybody is behind us to get them kids back into that school. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be talking, Mick and, and Donna, on, on the spina yeah. bifida, so, uh, on the spina bifida situation later on in the programme. One, one of the startling things there is that while the waiting lists grow longer, uh, the condition just doesn't sit and wait. It progressively worsens. And you can see it's very much the same here uh, with, with Don Anderson Jackson. He has ASD. He, he's not just going to be as he was the last day he left school, the first day he walks back into school. He's getting progressively worse and more difficult to deal with and be around and care for. Uh, for for Donna and other children in his situation are the same. And I think that supersedes any need for fire doors. And I think it, it calls for common sense. I think you're right. I think that people need to realise that kids with AFD and other kids with all types of needs, they don't progress on their own. They need that special help. They need that sort of care that only a preschool and really skilled people can help them with. And parents, as much as we love our kids, we're not trained to help them in any sort of way to progress with their needs. So they need the help that that school can give them. And if a few fire doors are the reason that that school is going to be shut for a couple of months, that's absolutely ridiculous because my child is going so backwards that he might as well be a one-year-old again. And that's frightening. And that's only a yeah, month out. So imagine him at Christmas. Okay. Uh, I want to talk to Christine Mullins as well for, uh, on the Before Five issue. Any final words there, Councillor McNugent? No, and look, I know 100% where Dan has come from and other parents um, have been on to me as well and it's you know, upsetting to hear that, you know. So we just need to make a move on as, as quick as, as we can. I think we need to get that meeting and get more information and see can we get more definitive timelines. But it is looking now that it is into the new year. But as Dan is saying, when is that? Is that January? Is it February, you know? So yeah. we just need to get that um that kind of information to people as soon as possible. Okay, you're, you're welcome to stay on the line, Mike, if you wish, but I want to talk to Christine, yeah. Christine Mullins, SIP2 member and room lead. Now, you've worked, uh, Christine, at Before Five for 12 years and, and um, like parents now, uh, staff have been left in limbo. Last time we spoke on this issue, staff were delighted that it had been taken over, delighted it would reopen, accepting that they would have to reapply for their own jobs. But now, once again, like the parents, you guys are left in limbo with no answers. Yeah, totally. Um, I just kind of were kind of a little bit in shock. Now, to be honest with you, we did realise that there would be have to new work uh, would be have to be done, and a survey would have to be done because it is going to be a complete new entity. As in, you know, before five is gone now, that's gone. So it is going to be a complete new, uh, new building, new place, and this work had to be done. 
But like we we were thinking maybe a couple of months, maybe after the midterm break, maybe pushing it out towards Christmas or something. But to get the text, the sorry, the email yesterday, 2024, 2024 is 12 months. Like, you know, it's from January to December. Like, it's know, very vague. No yeah. Yes, exactly. At least if we were given, you know, in the new year, January or something like that. Now, I didn't catch some most of it there, well, uh, some of it there while well, ago with Mick. And I understand that there's, you know, uh, some work and stuff. We only got in all new fire doors and fires um, there in the last year or two. The whole building had, you know, we were up to standard. Like how, how I just can't understand in one way that now they're looking that there's this all this work to be done. How were we kept going for the last, I don't know how many yeah. years? You know, if there was all this work to be done, now maybe I'm wrong and I, I, I'm taking it up wrong and I, I don't want to cause any confusion or anything. But I just can't understand how we were in compliance with every other agency for the last few, you know, for the last 12 years that I was there. Um I know all of a sudden it's going to take this length of time to do all this work that's meant to be carried out inside there. It's just baffling. Yeah, there's a programme on TV called, I think it's called DIY SOS. I don't watch it, but I know it's Baz Ashmawi, isn't it? And he, yeah. he, he can put a house around somebody in a week uh, because yeah. it tugs at the heartstrings and makes very good TV. These are yeah. children in need, for God's sake. There's exactly. still three and a half months left in the year. Why can't we get the exactly. finger out and get this done in a few weeks? Oh, yes, I totally agree with you. Like, I know of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven parents and children that I know, Donna being one of them. There's Leah, she has her daughter. There's another few people that they have sons and daughters that were all ready to come into us. And in fairness, like even the messages yesterday from them saying how they supported us, how the, the reason that they wanted before five is that they had either other children there or that they, their family or themselves had went there. And it's because of the staff that was up there that that's why they wanted their children to go there because they knew their children would have a better chance. I mean, all those children that were all ready to come into us, and especially uh, like Jackson and all those other children, I think, and to be given, you know, th- their parents were delighted. It's very hard at this day and age to any trying to access any um, services w- w- for children in at this time. And then to be told, you know, to get, oh, you're after getting a place, your aim support is sorted, there's somebody there for your child, and then wham, bang, gone. Everything just pulled out from you. The parents must be absolutely devastated. Yeah, I, I, I feel for any say. parents in this situation who are trying to navigate the system uh, to get services. Uh, I know of one family who have major transport issues um, with, with with a remote child try, trying to get that child to uh, uh, to their entitled services. It, it must yeah. be really, really difficult. Uh, and, and there's nothing you can do, even as a private citizen, Christine. You, you can't have Jackson and three of his best buddies around every morning to your house. There would be insurance complications and... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I'd have to, I'd have to register. Like you know, my like basically, I do it with a heart and a half. But like basically, like it'd be the same thing. They'd have to come in and check my house, check that it's up to standard, that it's this, that, and the other thing. And like, no, my, it would probably take less time to do mine if it came. <laughs> but, you know that kind of a way. But like, I just, I just don't understand. Like I've just like. It's just baffling at the moment. And, like, we are so happy that for, you know, the north side, the NCE, in fairness, like, FARC stepping in. But, like, it was, like, given that, oh, there's someone taking it over, brilliant. And then were we just supposed to just wait and forget about it then? Because it's after being it's just pushed to the side, basically. I mean, there wasn't a mention of the staff yesterday. 
Yeah, no, no mention of the staff. No, no, nothing that I read anyway. D- Donna, I need to wrap no. it up. But um, what, what are you going to do okay. from here? Um, I have um, no idea what I'm going to do right now, Mick. Um, but you were right. If they can build a house in a day on show because it pulls on heartstrings, I'm sure if we put out a local call for anybody that can help us to do the renovations quicker, like I'm sure the community would get behind us if the NCE just met us and just said, look, this is what needs to be done. Anybody that can help that's a licensed trademan and they want to get it done quicker, they might do it after work or on the weekends, which I know people will. They will help if they just need us and let us know what needs to be done. Do you, know, you know what's going to happen in, in, in typical Irish uh, civil service mode, and I don't take it from anyone who works in the civil service, but interacting with it can often be excruciating. You know what you'll be told? Oh, um, we'll have to put that out to tender, and that's going to yeah. take three weeks. Yeah. And then we'll have that's to review it? the tenders, and then we, it has to be an approved supplier, and well, then we have to apply for a grant. Just get no, it done. I'm sorry, no, Mick. This is where the TDs need to pull their finger out and start helping. This is where they need to say, right, guys, I understand that this is the way it normally goes, but these are kids with special needs. These are parents at their wit's end. They have no help. They need to get those kids back into an educational system before those kids go so backwards that they're, they're beyond help. And that's the way that it's going right now. So if people yeah. out there think that it's okay just to leave that school, get away with this. it's not happening. Like, my child needs that facility to be opened. He needs the help. He needs PDs to back him up because at the end of a very long day, he will be a voter once upon a time and the parties will feel it. You know? (laughs) That's true. He will vote. I I think those are very strong words to end it on. Uh, Sinn Féin Councillor McNugent, Donna Parent, and uh, former worker at Before Five, Christine Mullins. Thank you for highlighting the issues as they pertain today. We wish you the very very best of luck with a speedy return under whatever new name uh, of the facility for the sake of all concerned. Thanks, guys. Good morning. Thanks very much. Thank you. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. It's 11 minutes to 10. Good morning from the Neil Prenderville Show. We spoke about a a car-free city on Saturday, and I've got this notice that Douglas Street Business Association are proudly presenting Autumn Fest this coming Sunday, also from 12 to 6 p.m. So Douglas Street will be closed to traffic from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m., and uh, they are respectfully asking residents not to to park on the street for the day. There's going to be lots happening with face painting and storytelling. Joan Denise Moriarty dancers, silent disco, pitch circus, paella, uh, kids' game, and much more. You can get uh, involved. There's a volunteer meeting tomorrow night at the Gables Bar at 7pm and Douglas Street will be closed to traffic. You're asked not to park in the street between 8 o'clock and 7pm on the uh, coming Sunday, the 24th of September. Deborah Burns is in studio. You're all headphoned up and uh, you're very welcome. Good morning. Thanks very much. Now, Deborah, you lost your son Harvey in September 2006 in a road traffic accident. He, he was aged just 10 months. And uh, that is what now, 16, 17 years ago? 18, well, 17 years ago since the accident. And he would have been 18 last Sunday. He would have been 18 yeah. last Sunday. Okay. And his organs were donated. Uh, and I, it's something I didn't realise could be done at such a young age. But I, I, I imagine that there are young recipients as well out there. Yes, that's right. Um, your organs can be given to different ages. It doesn't have to be the same age person or it can be in 
different age categories. Um, so Harvey's organs were donated um, to two different um, recipients, um, a 17-month-old little girl and a young adult boy. Okay, so, and, and was, was organ donation something that, that you believed in? Was it, was it in your... Oh God, your, no! Your, like your, your we, had, we were just asked at the time in in the midst of the tragedy. Will you do this? Um, my husband was asked at the time in a tragic situation, and it's a very hard um, thing to, I suppose, go for really, you know, and accept that you're going to do this gift of life. Really, mm. that's what it is, you know. Organ donation is gift to life, and, and most who make that very very generous gift don't get to see. The, the good work that and and the positive life's uh, change life changes that are made uh, to to the recipients, but of course you guys as the custodians of Harvey's memory uh, are now coming around to a cycle of, of of better news, good news. Yeah, it was lovely to hear that two people have survived with Harvey's organs and. The 17-month-old girl that got Harvey's liver did her leaving cert this year. So I suppose you get a lot of comfort to think that out of an awful situation in our own lives, somebody else is having this perfectly healthy life, which everyone deserves to have. And we decided to do this fundraiser to raise awareness on how important it is to organ donate, to have your organ donation card signed, to speak to your family on your wishes. It isn't just signing your card. You need to let your family know. You need to sit around the table and tell yeah. your family. Don't, don't let the card be a surprise to family members if, God forbid, you're in an accident or something. Oh, we found an organ donation card. We never knew. Yeah, yeah. And it is a very hard situation for families. And we... Are just we decided to do this fundraiser in memory of him on his 18th birthday. So that would have been last Sunday. So you you marked it by hosting a fundraising once again, turning tragedy in, into positivity. And you did this in aid of the Irish Kidney Foundation and the Strange Boat Donor Foundation. Tell me about yes. your connections there. So the Strange Boat Foundation, myself and Eddie, when Harvey should have been getting his confirmation, went to visit the memorial site in Galway. A family tragically lost their son um, the same year. He was much older than Harvey. And they built this memorial garden out in Salt Hill. And it has different stones from all over Ireland. It has just, it's just a beautiful place to visit. And they give support to families of recipients. And it's a real joy to see, really. And I'm just looking at a picture of there. Never knew it existed. It's absolutely stunning. Well, you know what I love what you said there, because I knew nothing about it. Uh, stones from all over Ireland, little organs in themselves. Yes. C coming together in a, in a place of positivity. Yes. And we decided to do for the Irish Kidney Association as well. And I suppose they have a local... Um, office here in Cork that helped many people and we didn't think that this gala night would be such a big night. We decided to have it thinking very naively of how big it would actually transparent to be and I suppose the local town of McCroom went above and beyond supporting again as they always do and our families just went above and beyond in support of it we yeah. sold out. And yeah, just in case people are expecting me to say you raised 243 euro or 1,027 euro, 
community sponsors were the primary source of funding here. How much did you raise? Um, we were hoping first day maybe to raise 10,000 because money is hard to make, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but we actually made 30,360 euros so far. 30,360? Yeah. That is just amazing. Can, can I ask, do, do you have any contact with the recipients of, of Harvey's organs? No, we actually only contacted the ODTI um, when we decided to do this um, fundraiser and they actually went and got some information for us. But so you, you're not allowed to go and meet they, that person and, and on the basis that little Harvey is still living inside that person, um, in a way. They can send us a letter yeah. and I suppose... Um, it goes from there really but I don't think so you know yeah. I think these people need to go and live their lives healthily yeah. like they deserve like anyone deserves Yeah you, 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 know? you gave a gift put it on the water let it sail away and uh, but at least you're getting those positive vibes back uh, Yes that, that uh, in Harvey's memory and, and as you're marking as you, you said his confirmation his 18th you'll, you'll mark his 21st hopefully there'll be more good news coming from those uh, if anyone wants to donate to your, your fundraising where can they do that? Um, they can go on to either charity and make a donation um, if they want. Um, so that's the Irish Kidney Foundation and the Strange Boat Donor Foundation. Yes. Uh, and you get more information on both on their respective websites. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. Uh, I know you were caught in that traffic snarl up. It was bad, was it, coming yeah. in from a crew? Yeah, it was bad, Irish. Yeah, is it after calming down a bit? Yeah, it is. All right. lot. Thank De- you. Deborah Burns, thanks a million. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. And uh, what a great story of uh, Harvey's organs going on to do so much good. Uh, just turned four minutes to ten o'clock. We have news at ten on the way. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. And a lovely chat with Deborah Burns uh, in studio just before news at 10, just to give that charity gala dinner a plug. This is in memory of her late son, Harvey Desmond Burns, died at just 10 months. And they've got two good news stories. One uh, is that the recipient of one of his organs uh, has just completed her leaving cert. And there's an organ donation and transplant Ireland event. And this is care of the Irish Kidney Association and Strange Boat. Now, if you haven't looked up Strange Boat Donor Foundation, I would advise you to Google it and have a look at those beautiful pictures of the garden that's dedicated to the importance and promotes the importance of organ donation and is dedicated to the organ donors and their families and brings, uh, I think, peace and solitude and and, uh, uh, it just really is, if you look at the pictures, just the most fantastic thing. So this is well worth attending. The Castle Hotel in McCroom will host on the 16th, or has hosted on the 16th of September, uh, the um, the meal which uh, raised, and they were expecting 10,000, they exceeded 30,000. Uh, so well done. But please check out and continue to donate uh, to the Irish Kidney Foundation and the Strange Boat uh, donor Foundation. Now, I got a letter uh, which kind of tugs at the heartstrings. Uh, it all happened because my daughter attended a kind of a, uh, an event in memory of her father's, uh, her friend's father, uh, who would have been 50 uh, yesterday, the 19th. My daughter Alex was at it. And then lo and behold, tears down the line, um, they recognised that Alex was the daughter of the guy who used to do the wind-ups on the radio and all this sort of stuff as if it was an omen and a sign. And I was delighted to hear that and uh, that uh, Kieran was a fan of my former work. Uh, And so it elicited this letter, uh, which I'm happy to read to you now. Uh, Dear Mick, Kieran Martin of Cushkilla, Connor, should have celebrated his 50th birthday yesterday, the 19th. 
Karen came into my life and my son, Brendan, and daughter uh, and Karen's life uh, 19 years ago. He was the most wonderful husband and stepdad. He did everything for us and we had a wonderful life. He helped everyone he knew, old and young, and had loads of good friends. Unfortunately, he kept things to himself and was in financial difficulties that no one knew about, including myself. He left for work Tuesday morning, the 2nd of November last year, kissed me goodbye, rang me at 9.30 to say goodnight as he was away on business. The following morning, I got no call from him, which was totally not Kieran. Panic kicked in for all of us. Everyone tried to contact him, but to no avail. The guards were called and later found his car parked at the Keys in Cork, but no Kieran. Search and rescue took over uh, and found him later that night in the river. Devastated, shocked, uh, not enough words can describe how we felt. My daughter Karen came up with the idea of a kayak trip uh, for his 50th birthday. His best friend, uh, trying to read this here, his best friend, I can't read, the Damien it looks like, uh, got, to, uh, got to work with Mac G Kayaks in Tallow and arranged a kayak day. We had 49 participants in no time uh, and unfortunately due to bad weather and uh, tidal conditions and high, high river conditions, it was cancelled for last Saturday the 16th. But every person had paid 50 euro uh, to rent the kayaks and the gear and all that stuff and it was offered back to them as a refund. But not one of them took it back and they put it to our charity. Later that evening we all met in Kieran's local pub, the Winner's Enclosure, to celebrate his 50th birthday. A raffle was held and we had 22 fab-sponsored prizes. The money that people gave was amazing. We raised a total of 5,320 euro for search and rescue altogether. I just wanted to say to people that uh, all we hear every day is bad news, but I saw the kindness, the caring and loving people uh, in that pub Saturday night there to celebrate and honour my beautiful husband, Kiers, and uh, gave all they could to the charity. I'm blown away by my family and friends. There's a lot of sadness, but there is so much love too. Thank you all so much. You're beautiful. Uh, your daughter, Alex, was with us uh, celebrating. Uh, she's a very good friend of Karen's. And anyone who wishes to still donate can do any time to Cork City Missing Person Search and Rescue Fundraiser. Cork City Missing Person Search and Rescue Fundraiser. Uh, and that is from Mary Martin. Uh, and delighted to read uh, that out. If anyone is affected by the uh, the contents of that letter, of course, uh, we always give you the Samaritans number. It's simple to remember. It's 116123. That's 116123. Now, it being my last day before Neil returns, I feel duty-bound to uh, get through a lot of your texts. Uh, a lot of them take a little, uh, you know, bit of effort to type up and a bit of consideration to get involved with the radio programme. So I'd like to try and get uh, get through as many as we can uh, before Neil comes back. Mick, why don't the government, this is on the NCT and cars, why don't the government use the DOE centres, now known as CVRT, and the MOT centres to lower the waiting list? Uh, in a garage in Yall, fuel on Monday was 160. On Tuesday, it was 170. And today, it's 180. It's odd how fuel went up like that in the same week. And talking about driving, well, our local guardy and you all don't seem to care about learner drivers on the road without insurance. And in some cars without a fully licensed driver, we need more safety on our roads. Our roads are very unsafe and guardy are doing nothing. It's very, very sad. 
Uh, thanks, please withhold my name. On before five crash. Hi, Mick. Why don't you contact Mick Barry for comment on the crash? He was the front man a week or two ago. He's probably av- avoiding the parents' phone calls. If the school was needed for non-nationals, the work would be done overnight. It's a joke. Get Mr. Martin, our great cork man on the air, and question him on it. Uh, I think he's abroad, isn't he? Uh, there are bigger issues at play here. Mick Nugent and co. have invited uh, 7.8 billion people into Ireland to use up what little services we have. Fair play to Donna. She put him in his place. Uh, high was the existing building in compliance. Is she, say, is she saying she's willing to put her child into a building that has not passed safety checks? She'd be the first to complain if something happened to any child. Uh, cheers, says Colm. Uh, on the cashless situation, I was at the VHI Swift Clear Clinic with my son the other night, says a texter. He had hurt his hand, but he's fine. Uh, however, they refused to take cash off me. Uh, I had to do it online with an online payment. Uh, they gave me bank details to do it. They simply wouldn't take cash. That's probably uh, in the realm of a private operation, though. Uh, but all uh, public or semi-state will be obliged, according to... Uh, Minister McGrath, to continue to accept cash. Uh, A car crashed into. Uh, If you can mention, please, this on the air, I'd be very grateful. I'm hoping the owner of a red 131 Mercedes heading towards Monkstown at 6.50pm yesterday will come forward. They were driving on the wrong side of the road outside the Garda station in Passage and they crashed into the side of my husband's car and kept driving. Luckily, there was a guard in the station and they uh, drove around looking for him but had no luck. He will be keeping an eye out for him, but obviously it's better if he came forward himself. If someone has any information, they can ring Passage Guard a station or feel free to pass on my number. Thanks a million, says Carol. I drive past there one, uh, two or three times a week and it is uh, a matter of, uh, of, of courtesy. Those travelling from Monkstown towards Passage have the right of way because that uh, left-hand side of the road as you travel that direction is clear. Um, but people, because of cars parked by the houses in the Garda station, have to go over the white line to come against you. And if you flash, you know, if you flash them on, it's about 200 yards. And if you flash them on, they'll often flash you in thanks uh, because they know that you have the right of way. But it's, uh, it's, it's not 50-50. But um, if they were coming from Monkstown towards Passage, uh, they were definitely uh, on, the, on the correct side of the road, um, if, if that is the case. But it's, uh, it, it can be very, very... Uh, tight there with, with uh, traffic getting by. Sometimes people uh, advance and cars that are already halfway down on the wrong side of the road have to pull in. Uh, I wouldn't like to be parking a car there on a full-time basis, let me put it that way. Uh, on the Car Free City uh, um, story we had yesterday, that lady, Maria Young, said that she's had no resistance. I haven't met one person in Cork who thinks the robot trees were a good idea. Uh, same with the cycle lanes, they're never used. Uh, people think this green agenda is wasting public money that could be spent fixing other things within the city that are more important to people. Uh, things like refurnishing homes, public toilets, street cleaning, derelict buildings, the list goes on, says Desi. Uh, well, we're talking about greener transport now. In 2023, intercity trains are still not electrified in Ireland. Why not? And on electric vehicles, Bus Erin are only operating an electric public transport service up in Athlone. They are using generators to charge those buses. That's the stupidity of all of the electric cars being charged by generators. From a tree expert, a cityscape tree costs about €1,000. But we had €350,000 to play with, Texter. We would have got some nice trees for that. Uh, Ask Andreas how often he uses public transport going into the city or Killarney. I love the idea of a traffic-free day, but please, can we have a proper 203 service to Farnry? It's the worst service ever. You can see the bus on its way to Fairhill and then take off down onto the Commons Road. It's brutal. 
when there hasn't been a bus in an hour. A texter on Patrick Kilty. I told Patrick Kilty was good. I was delighted to see the, uh, the two Johnnies and even got the inspiration to apply for their show now. Anthony Pickford says in Limerick. A texter on inflation says, Mick, please ask the economist what the reserve percentage KBC Bank has on personal deposits. How much of every 100 euro you deposit do they keep on at the bank? Thanks, says Colm. And there are many, many more that we will get to between now and 12 midday. Coming up on 19 minutes after 10. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Now, we promised to speak on the issue of spina bifida and joining us on line two is Denise O'Hare. Good morning to you, Denise. I hope you can hear me okay. Yeah, I can hear you, yes. Okay, tell me about Abby Rose. Abby Rose is an eight-year-old little girl that was born with spina bifida and hydrocephalus. And she has attended Temple Street since the day she was born. Okay. And uh, on prime time last night, we, we saw some issues. Uh, yeah. one, one of the shocking issues is on, is on the waiting lists. But can you detail? There, there are 19 uh, identified in the HSC uh, review. Yeah. Is Abby Rose one of those? No, she's not one of them, but just due to the time frame of when the investigation is happening, Abby Rose's time frame is very close. And I've been told by the HSE that they're at this, from yesterday they're only investigating spinal surgeries. Okay. So in Abby Rose's case, what happened? Um, Abby Rose was, we fought for hip knee and foot surgery for her for years. And we finally got it done in June of last year. And she got it done on the Monday. We got discharged on the Thursday and I had to bring her back up to the hospital on the Saturday and they did a scan and they realised that all the work that they had done had collapsed, that the steel work had, had come apart and the screws had come apart and she had a broken femur bone and she had a haematoma. So she was rushed in for emergency surgery. Okay. And how, how did that uh, turn out? Um, he had to, they had to put in extra screws and, re, and just obviously fix up the metal work that had failed. And, and this is obviously an operation you were waiting for for some time. Yeah, we were we were fighting for years for orthopedic surgery for her because her leg was deteriorating so badly, and then I finally to get it done and then for it to go drastically wrong very quickly was terrifying. Okay, so the femur bone broke. The screws that were put into her uh, her little had leg come apart. Had, had collapsed yeah. as well. Uh, yeah, and, and, and the steel plate. And and the, and the steel plate. Now she's not yeah. one of the nineteen identified in the HSE no. review, but no. also had complications uh, post surgery. So are exactly. you are you looking for that HSE review to be widened? Uh, yes, I am. That, that's why I, that's why I'm speaking now. I think anybody that had surgery around the time frame that they've investigated, especially with kids with spina bifida, should be looked into. Yeah, uh, are you ang- are you anxious that it probably won't be widened? I'm petrified, yeah. And I, I rang the HSE yesterday, the helpline number, and I was told that when um, I told them I had to explain the situation in relation to Abby Rose's case, they just told me it was coincidental that I was around the same time. Mm. Yeah, but that's... They just said that they were only investigating the spinal skeleton, were what the words to me yesterday. On the okay, phone. so they're only concentrating on the spinal surgery. So where do you go from here? I don't know where I'm going. That's why I'm speaking now. I just think the government now and CHI need to really come out now and and, wor- and see what the parents of kids of spina bifida are living like in this country. We're all petrified now. Yeah. We have nowhere else to go. It's the spina bifida hospital of Ireland. We don't have any other hospital to go to. Yeah, the, the Irish Times uh, is reporting uh, today that the review ordered uh, into safety concerns arising from the consultant's work. The consultant's been named in other media, but we're not going to name him here, okay? No, no, um, yeah. Uh, we'll also examine the way the spinal uh, surgery service had been run 
and the yeah. long delays experienced by children needing orthopaedic operations in general. Now, Minister for Health uh, Stephen Donnelly has indicated that. I, I love these political words. He's indicated that the review yeah. will be widened. A review to me means delay and positive action. Of course. I just want to know that the stuff that is in my door is actually meant to be in her. Yeah, okay. Um, that is my main concern. What is actually in her? Is it licensed or is it not? Okay, was it was it right first day? Is it right now that they've fixed it? It's, yeah. it's, it's holding up now, it's not collapsing again, is it? Um, well, we're, her knee at the moment and her leg is deteriorating again. And unfortunately, we just haven't had an orthopaedic appointment in the past eight months. Yeah, the, the prime time uh, piece last night, I expected it to be longer. It was quite short and concentrated, but one of the they, most... They were, they, they were interviewing for a while, but we, they obviously had to edit an awful yeah. lot. Um, just obviously for legal reasons, obviously, but... Yeah. Um, they, they did what they could, you know, they contacted me only yesterday, so it was, it was done pretty quick. Okay. Uh, we're going to speak to Antoinette Burke as well in a moment. One of the most shocking things I saw in that short piece last night uh, on, on prime time was that... Somebody was um, referring to the active list, and I think yeah. that could be 54 children. But but then yeah. also, and I'm not saying casually, but almost as if it's an accepted term. Oh, but there's also a suspended list. There's a suspended that's list, just yeah. a, That's a paper exercise to say the active list should be bigger. Uh, but we, we've these prioritised as active, and these other yeah. children, where we're just pushing to the Are side, they're on the suspended there. list. Yeah, it's it's just I just can't believe it in this day and age that we were promised two years ago and um, that no no child would wait longer than four months. Now I I was uh, got a treat off Stephen Donnelly back then and he told me that Adrose would be done. Now I was lucky enough that she was done. I was on RTE News we were fighting for this for this surgery to get done. Yeah, and uh, more so, uh, more and more parents are turning to media like ourselves to to highlight yeah. cases and put that political pressure on. It shouldn't have to be the case. Shouldn't have to. As I said, Abby Rose has spine of effort and hydrocephalus. Not, not on any doing by herself. But we go, we rely on this country to help our kids. That we have nowhere else to go except for CHI Temple Street. There's no other avenue for kids with spine of effort in this country to go to except for CHI and Temple Street. So what are you calling for? The, the review to be undertaken and completed quickly? Uh, whatever remedial yeah. measures uh, need, need to be, it needs put, to be put in broadened. place, put there? And and yeah. then a, a speeding up of the acceptance for surgery of of those both on the active on, and suspended on, list. Suspended list. Yeah, I think every child in this country that has spina bifida shouldn't be left sitting on list okay. for years. Will, will you will you stay with me, Denise, while I speak to Antoinette? Antoinette Burke is on line three. Hi, Antoinette. Hi, Mick. How are you? I'm good. You know, your daughter Katie had the same surgery as Abby Rose. No, Katie hasn't had the surgery. Yet. She hasn't. Oh, she 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 was no, due it. She, I beg your pardon. I, I read it wrong. She was no, she was she due the is. same surgery. She's 12 years, 10 months, and 27 days waiting on this surgery. I'm sorry. Did, <laughs> I, did I hear that correctly? You did. Say it again, years, please. Say it again, months. please. 12 years, 10 months, and 27 days. Oh, my God. Now, Katie, Katie was first diagnosed with a dislocated hip when she was four. She's now 16. And what are you doing? You must be giving up hope at this stage, are you? No, we actually went and looked elsewhere because for all those years, excuse me, <clears throat> Katie's been given so many excuses as to why they won't operate. Um, some of them are she's too weak. Her hip isn't out far enough. 
they'll wait till she stops growing. If they operate on her, she may never walk again. So we looked further afield for the second time and said she's life. And and have um, you had have you had second and third opinions from experts abroad as well? We actually got a doctor, um he's based in the Paley Institute in Florida, who said he will operate on Katie. But what we knew at the time we thought Katie's hip was just dislocated. But she also has a twisted femur and a retroverted pelvis. Katie basically her pelvis is twisted backwards. But that was never told us here, ever. All we were told was her hip was dislocated, end of. Mm-hmm. So when we came, like, they were to refer Katie up to that particular doctor in Dublin two years ago. And by the grace of God, we never got that appointment. Yeah. Because well, considering what seems hearing, to have transpired, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, thank God that we didn't get that appointment for all. So you've you've undertaken for fundraising now to get Katie's treatment abroad. Is is there we have, yeah. is, is is there a time specific requirement here? She's going to be in full adulthood soon. Well, she will be in full adulthood, but if she doesn't get this surgery, Katie's deteriorating slowly. Um, her hip is starting to cause her more more problems. Kind of every second or third day, it's kind of giving her problems now all the time. Um, but if she doesn't get this surgery, one, she'll end up back in her wheelchair that she hasn't been in in 10 years. She hasn't used her wheelchair in 10 years. Okay, let, 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 let me give you some of the words of our senior politicians here. Uh, Tisha Clearveradkar said that children may now be sent again to the UK or Germany to help alleviate waiting lists. I know he said that the clinicians and some others don't like the idea that we will be building up a service abroad and when we should be building our services here at home. But sometimes that's the best option for children, he said. I think he's a fully-fledged doctor. He's a former Minister for Health anyway. But late last night, Health Minister Stephen Donnelly confirmed the HSE has now been told to explore, quote, all options, unquote, to increase capacity for the surgeries, and I quote him again here now, including outsourcing care both at home and abroad, unquote. He said he's been told the outsourcing is expected to start this year. That's Stephen Donnelly, a Minister for Health, saying Irish children will have to go abroad to get treatment. That's not only now that children have to go abroad. We had to bring Katie abroad 10 years ago. For surgery. And funded yourselves? No, we had to fundraise 10 years ago as well. Yeah, okay. But that's what Um, I mean, you have to fundraise and pay for it yourself. Yeah, we got Katie, Katie has cerebral palsy. And she was in a wheelchair up until she was six. She couldn't walk unaided. She used a walking frame. And we brought Katie to St. Louis Children's Hospital in Missouri, for selected dorsal rhizotomy surgery. Basically, they go in through the spine, um, expose the nerves that's there, cut the nerves that are sending, like that are putting the spasticity through a child's body with cerebral palsy. So it releases the spasticity out of the body, giving them the chance to be able to walk. Okay. Now, it it doesn't work for some children. It works for other children. Some kids are still in wheelchairs. Some kids still use walkers. In our case, Katie walked with nothing. Mm-hmm. 
I, I remember co- co- covering this maybe two or three general elections ago, as far back maybe as as fifteen years ago. That long waiting lists uh, for for you know for conditions like scoliosis <coughs> and other orthopedic conditions in children have been a source of embarrassment to successive governments. Now at least now we seem to have an admission that okay, we can't handle it. We're going to have to fund this stuff abroad. You'd hope the government would would be paying for these uh, these trips abroad if it can't be handled here. Uh, of course, these children and their condition are not getting any better. It's it's not a static condition. It's progressively deteriorating while, while they wait for intervention. Well, with Katie Hoard surgeon here, when we told her we, we were bringing Katie to, to Florida, um, she actually admitted to me that she's not qualified to do the surgery that Katie needs. Okay. And there is no doctor in Ireland that is qualified to do the surgery. Okay, let, let me, let's go back to Denise and, and finish up with her. She's holding there. Uh, Abby Rose is eight. That's kind of half of the age of, uh, of, of Katie. Well, what are you hoping for in the, in, in the next eight years until she's Katie's age? Abby Rose, born Denise. Yeah, I do, we need to trust back from the, from the HSE and CHI. At the moment, as a parent now, which I was born a bit for the, hearing the news that we've been hearing over the last few days, it's terrifying. I just don't think this trust is there now at all. It's, it's the hope that the, this will all be resolved and the CHI will hold their hands up and, and take the accountability for these mistakes that are happening in this country. And the government needs to stop lying and promising stuff to our kids that need the help and support that they deserve to have a life in this country. Mm. Uh, they're, they're looking at, I think the review is going to be looking at failures in clinical governance as well as the actions of the one consultant who's been named but that we're not naming. Uh, Denise, thanks very much. I'll get more people on, on, on the air uh, regarding this topic, Antoinette, back to you. Thank you, Denise. Um, Thank you. So you you're, you're in a position now with uh, with Katie approaching full adulthood. You may have no option but to go abroad before things are fixed here. Well, we have no option but to go abroad because there's nobody here will touch Katie because of the, the complex surgery that she needs. Like with Katie, because her pelvis is retroverted, they have to break her pelvis and put it into the, the right position. Um, the ball and socket is worn down so flat that it's like a saucer where you know yourself a ball and socket is like a fist, mm-hmm. a normal ball and socket. Hers is so flat, it's like a saucer. So as her hip, as she's walking, her hip is moving in and out all the time. And her femur bone is twisted. So Katie walks with her, her, right, her right foot torn in completely so they literally have to twist her whole leg and pin it in place for her to be able to walk in a straight line are, are you aware Antoinette and I'm not trying to add insult to injury here how waiting lists in other countries for patients uh, who are you know who have spina bifida hydrocephalus how waiting lists there how the treatment is there for them is it better than it is here I have no idea. All I know is it, once we have the money, um, Katie would be able to get to Florida within the month. All right. That's, that, paying for it. that's, that's, <clears throat> that's not too small a sum. It's 300,000 euro. It's 300,000 euro. That's okay. the problem. And your GoFundMe and is, we, is at 13,372. So you need a little help. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, a lot of help. Well, <laughs> you need a lot of help. Okay, off you go. How do people contribute to this very worthy cause. Um, it needs a lot of help. Well, Katie's GoFundMe is help, take, help Katie get 
hip surgery. Um, if anybody wants to organise a fundraiser at the moment, excuse me, because Katie is deteriorating so much, I don't have time to be able to go out and organise fundraisers or anything else. Sorry, something in my throat. I just don't know what it is. That's okay. Take it home. I need help with people to help me organise fundraisers. Okay. You, need a, you need a lot of help if 300 grand is, is what it's going to take and, and you have 13,372. Yeah. So yeah. help Katie to get yeah. hip surgery is the GoFundMe. Yeah, okay, that's your Antoinette Burke's fundraiser for Katie Byrne. Uh, help Katie to get hip surgery on GoFundMe. Th- thank you very much for putting her case across, Antoinette. Thanks, Millie. Thanks, cheers, bye-bye. Jerry Thanks, Maguire bye-bye. is the CEO of Spina Bifida Hydrocephalus Ireland. Uh, good morning to you, Jerry. Morning, Mick. How are you? Watched you on TV last night. Uh, I expected more coverage than than was given, but this is a kind of a particular hot potato politically, or becoming one for the government, is it? It certainly is, you know, and I don't know how they're going to recover from it. I, the The drain of parents' confidence in both the hospital and the health services now has had such a, a catastrophic effect. Of, of what's happened over the last while that I don't know where they're going to get this back from, you know, Mickey. I, I just think it's it's been a total and utter mess and it's indicative of the way children and adults with spina bifida and hydrocephalus have been treated over the years and it's finally reached a crescendo now. Okay, and it's it's obviously in the election cycle it's it's something you would hope to leverage here. I mean, even if the waiting list could be reduced, you're still looking at surgeries that have huge elements of risk, uh, risky outcomes, uh, people who may not be uh, what they hoped they would be on the other side of the surgery because it's getting worse as time goes on. Without a doubt. And as I said on on primetime yesterday, and by the way, I did a much more extensive interview than was actually featured last night. But, you know... It it just seems like our voices aren't being heard enough. But to, to go back to your to your query, Mick, as I said, spina bifida doesn't take a, a break while surgeries are being paused or, or postponed. The deterioration in disability continues at a pace, and we've no guarantee that these surgeries will take place at, at any time in the future. So children's disabilities are disimproving. Children who are are ambulant or walking around with with the aid of of calipers or sticks or whatever now or walkers are being forced to go into wheelchairs prematurely or being forced to crawl around floors on their backsides. Is that what is that where we're at now in in Ireland in 2023 that we're being forcing children to do that because of poor governance in, in our health service? poor administration of the health services by government. You know, somebody needs to take hold of this now because it, it appears to me like it's a runaway train and nobody's behind the wheels. Yeah, but governance and administration, Jerry, seems to be where the uh, the HSE is putting all of its high-paid jobs. You would imagine that would produce some, some results, wouldn't you? Well, look, Mick, if, if we're at a stage now where there's medical equipment being taken into a hospital without checks and balances being done and that bad enough to get into a hospital 
but it makes its way into an operating theatre and that checks and balance hasn't been done. And then further, it makes its way into a child's body and a checks and balance hasn't been done. There's something seriously wrong with the governance of that hospital and there's something seriously wrong with the governance of our health service. And is it the only centre of excellence for the uh, the surgeries your uh, members require, Jerry? It, it's a centre of excellence that, that people who are unfortunate enough to have children with spina bifida or have children born with spina bifida. And I live with spina bifida myself, Mick, so I, I, I'm skinning this game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not a disability that you want to have. And Temple Street is is was looked upon as the, the centre of excellence, whether it's an official centre of excellence or not, it was the centre of excellence in people's minds. I don't believe it can ever be that again now. And... People will say, oh, when the new children's hospital opens, it'll be a different... But we've no, we've, we're sick listening to when that, that hospital will be opened. And as I said earlier, while we're waiting for that hospital to be opened, children are still suffering. Children's disability are still disimproving. And, you know, that's, that's a desperate indictment on, on the country that we're living in. I'm sorry, I'm so angry by this and my anger is only minimal in comparison to the anger of the parents involved in this whole shambles. Well, let's take one on air now as a sample of one. Noreen O'Neill is uh, on representing Gary who is suffering with spina bifida. Hi Noreen, I think you've been on with us before, haven't you? I have, yes, Nick. Uh, You're trying to get Gary a wheelchair. I got him the wheelchair and it was broke within a week and they still haven't come to fix it, Dick. Okay. Actually, Neil, can I just stress, when my son was 15 years old, they diagnosed that he had a string coming down in his spine and that he, he was walking around with a bit of a limp. But other than that, he was able to get from A to B. They operated to remove the string, and afterwards they apologised and said they very rarely botch up those operations, but there was no string. It was a blur on the screen. It was a smudge on the x-ray, was it? There was, a, yes, a and, uh... blur on the x-ray and they put my son from walking with a limp I have a video of him walking with just a limp and they put him straight, he went straight into the wheelchair he could no longer walk after the operation a totally unnecessary operation Okay, and, uh, and, and you're, you're, are, you, are you still caring for Gary Noreen? I am, yes. I have two boys with spina bifida. How old are they, Noreen? Uh, t- Gary is 40 now, and the other boy is 35. So that would have been, the operation would have been 20 or, or thereabouts years ago. Yes. And he's living in a wheelchair ever since? He's in a wheelchair ever since, and when he has a problem with the wheelchair, which is his legs now, 
they won't come and fix it. Okay, uh, if Gary's in his forties, Noreen, you're still not. You know, you're you're not in the full flushes of youth anymore. How are you managing? No, I'm sixty-nine years old, Neil. And how are you managing? It's very, very hard. What 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 do you need specifically? Well, he needs his wheelchair fixed because that's his legs. He's confined to the house now with horses. Okay, and and your other son with spina bifida? He's walking around with a limp as Gary did. I believe that Gary's foot has swollen uh, the size of three feet. It's this size. I'm afraid, Neil, that it will be amputated eventually. It's a size of about four feet altogether. He got antibiotics from his local doctor. They did mark the leg is not going down. It's, he can't wear two runners right now. He's wearing one because his leg was present. All right. Noreen, I'm, I'm going to go back to Jerry Maguire, the CEO of Spina Bifida. I can't imagine what you're going through, uh, but let's see if, uh, if we can further your case uh, for intervention. And, uh, and thank you for talking to us. Uh, okay, Neil, and thank you very, very much. Thank you, thank you. Noreen O'Neill there on behalf of uh, Gary suffering from Spina Bifida. Still with Jerry Maguire, CEO of Spina Bifida, Hydrocephalus Ireland, on a sample of one. That's what people are going through, Jerry. Yep. It's it's horrifying, um, and I'd love to say that Noreen's predicament is unique. It's not. If it was unique, yeah, we course. could focus on it right now. There, there must yeah. be fifty, a hundred, two hundred more cases like that around the country, are there? Look, Nick, I've I've had people, members of my association, who have been waiting on wheelchairs, and their wheelchair is held together by cable ties. You know, I've had people who've been given wheelchairs. That it's it's so important that your wheelchair fits you, otherwise it's going to cause more complications. I've had people had wheelchairs delivered to them by the HSE that they can't fit into. You know, it's this kind of, as I said before to many media outlets, it's great to provide funding and lash funding at it, and it sounds brilliant as a soundbite for government. But when you don't have the services post-surgery, post-diagnosis that we just don't have in this country. We so so what, what, what you really need is a very, very specialised occupational therapist, for the want of a better word. So, somebody, somebody dedicated to the condition that can prescribe the correct equipment at the correct sizing, uh, at the correct fitting, and then access the funds and provide exactly what each person wants. Absolutely. It's, it's crucial. Doesn't it's seem like rocket science, crucial. though, Jerry. Well, we can send things into outer space, but we can't seem to fix this little problem, as the government obviously think it is. But it's, I mean, I'm, I'm tired. I'm listening to the Taoiseach saying that he, he's very concerned about it. They're sound bites. You know, if you're concerned about it, do something about it. And don't, don't come along with, with things like, I'm concerned about it, as if, we haven't been screaming about this and advocates of, of children with spina bifida and hypercapitalists haven't been speaking about the paucity of services for those children over the years. We have. How many know, people in Ireland are suffering with spina bifida and hydrocephalus? We would have up to 2,000 members in SBHI. 
Okay. That's children and adults. So you would imagine is, n- n- none of them would probably mind travelling to Dublin to a centre of excellence if that's where it needs to be. How, how many oh, of those, well, you know, if you have three or four of those specialists, I'm only saying occupational therapists because I don't know the correct term, uh, and, and you had a dedicated budget that was overseen uh, and audited um, so that you could get fast access to the wheelchairs and all the items you need. Surgery, and, and, and that is a different thing. That's going to have to be sorted uh, by government or by uh, by putting people abroad for surgeries. But it, it, it looks as if it's a very stark situation, Jerry. The, the fact of the matter is that, that people do travel from all parts of the country to Temple Street. And they do that in in the knowledge or in the previous knowledge that they were bringing their child to a place that would help them. And they do it willingly. But that place now has been proven to be a place that isn't helping them and has disimproved their child's disability. That's an appalling summation of where we're at at the moment. It is where we're at. And I've had parents on to me that they've travelled from parts of Galway and other parts of the country up to outpatient clinics in Temple Street over the last while only to find that there's no clinician leading the clinic and that they're turned away or they'd have a nurse talking to them about how they are. So imagine if you if you went to a hospital, if you had a heart condition and you went to a hospital and there was no doctor in that clinic that you were sent to, you'd find that, that, that what's the point? What's the point? I'll, I'll, have, I'll have a chat with the nurse and I'll go home, but I'm not going to go home happy. Yeah, the nurse can take your blood pressure and do all the tasks that he or she is able to do but the clinician is the one that that sees underneath the bonnet you know and our parents some of our parents are being torn away off you go back to your your home hundreds of miles away without seeing a doctor okay i need to get in one caller jerry would you please wait uh stay with me a second uh, jerry's on line one on line four okay uh, very quickly paul casey how you doing I'm good, yourself? Not too bad. You're, you're a taxpayer who doesn't agree with what? Well, no, not agree with, I mean, these kind of event centres, which I said uh, previously on another show, which, eight, what, eight years ago, the sod was turned on the Beamish and Crawford site yeah, for diff- an event centre, which still isn't finished, and then we're kind of looking at children that need surgery, and they're not getting it. And, so and- where are we putting the money? Well, we have a, we have a children's hospital that's continuing to overrun and overrun uh, budgetary, but it's kind, yeah, kind, kind of a different topic. Billions is overrunning. Yeah. So what? what well, it's, not, it's not really. It's not really because I'd rather put my money to get these children. Would they help that they need? Okay. Uh, and to be taken to be doing event centres that we don't need or anything like this. All right, that's a fair point. Thanks a million, Paul. Jerry, just hang on for me for one moment and we'll, we'll wrap up in a moment, okay? Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106, Red FM. Coming up on four minutes to 11, I have a little time left. I'm still with Jerry Maguire, CEO of the Spina Bifida uh, and Hydrocephalus Ireland. Uh, thanks for staying with me, Jerry. I know you must be a very busy man as CEO. I think we may have, no actually, we may have actually met. I've, uh, I have a very dear friend with uh, Spina Bifida. And I, did I meet you once in Monkstown doing a fundraiser for him? It's possible if you were in Cork. 
you could well have, <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot slightly. If I gave you 45 to 60 seconds to make an appeal, this is where, where we've been, this is where we're at, this is what we need. The floor is yours. Please, I, I'm imploring the government and the health services to finally acknowledge that they have treated people with spina bifida and hydrocephalus, adults and children, improperly over the last number of years. And that this particular tragedy has highlighted that. Use this as a watershed, for God's sake, and start treating people with spina bifida and hydrocephalus properly. We have potential in life. Let us achieve that potential in life and let the health service not stultify that potential the way it obviously is now. Just wake up and smell the roses here, people, because the condition is hard enough to live with if you don't feel that the he- the state is helping you along the way. All right, Jerry, um, that's a soundbite, but it's not a government soundbite. It's one we hope we can use to make them more aware uh, and make them advance your situation for the positive. So uh, thank you very much for being so eloquent on everything. Jerry Maguire, C- CEO of Spina Bifida, Hydrocephalus Ireland. News next at 11. Now, the Neil Prenderville Show, Red FM. And at eight minutes past 11, back to our phone lines and Megan Murphy. Good morning, Megan. Hi, good morning. How are you? Okay, I'm good. Um, not the better of the last uh, few interviews. It's, uh, it's, it's a stark yeah. situation and you can feel the pain and the frustration of people. Uh, you're, you're kind of in the same boat yourself. You have a 14-year-old son, Paddy. Yes, yeah, Paddy's 14. Um, Paddy, again, is not one of the children in the reviews, but he is one of the children left waiting on the, uh, the ever-going waiting list to have scoliosis surgery done. Um, he has spina bifida and has attended te- Temple Street since he was born. So, um, obviously, what's come out is absolutely unbelievable um, over the last few days. Um, And I suppose as the days go on, madder I am getting as a parent because, like, the reports that were done, they're they're still drip-feeding us information from them. They have chosen themselves the points that they want to uh, share with the public and the parents. And I just don't know how the HSE and CHI are still getting away with it. Like the audacity of them to not share the information and findings in those reports with us parents that are, are affected directly is just beyond me. I just don't know when as a country enough is enough. When is somebody going to hold them accountable for what they've done? Um, yesterday morning, you know, I was quick to see the finger was pointed on all news outlets to one person in particular and while that person may be at fault, fully at fault, partly at fault, we don't know yet because we have no information. It is a lot bigger than one person, let me tell you, and let the whole country realise that CHI and HSE are the root cause of this and they need to be held accountable. OK, where, where, where do you lay that blame? At, at management, at admin, at staffing levels, it. expertise it's levels? Staffing, everything. It's, it's a group. As a whole, it, they have failed us miserably. Our advocacy group have been fighting for spina bifida care for years. This is not new. We have fought for, for care in a, in a, to have timely access to an MDT clinic for our kids to be seen at a time. That we were, there was years gaps of, of having care in the, in the spina bifida clinic. We were up in clinic earlier this year after getting the letter to be told that there was no more spinal surgeries and no information was given. And we landed into clinic with no consultant there for an orthopaedics. Nobody would speak to us. Yeah, you have, we en- you have, en- you have enough going on. 
I'm not trying to simplify, oh. but you have enough going on without fighting for care. Imagine being on a waiting list for as long as Paddy has and then getting a letter yeah. out of the blue saying that Paddy's surgeon was stepping away from complex yeah. surgeries and everything is on pause. So now you're not even on a waiting list. You're kicked off a waiting list and waiting to well, go on we, a new we one. Have no, we, have no, we have no surgeon. We are told we have no... He has been not given a, a consultant or a surgeon. Like he's under nobody now. So is he on he the suspended list then or the active list? We don't know. We don't know because nobody is, is talking to us. We don't know what he's on, but we just know that we, he, he would be given another surgeon or a consultant now that the other surgeon had, had is on leave or whatever. And he, he's under nobody. We were given nobody. So we are in limbo. We don't know what is happening, what is going on. Um, you know, the, the, the CHI are, are kind of coming out and over in contact with all families affected. They're in contact with, with the... With the, with the um, the cases, you know, that are in the, in the news and that, but they're not in contact with everybody else. They've left everybody else in the dark. They've they've made no contact with the rest of us, you know. Um, and I just, it, it's it's beyond frustrating at this stage. You know, we spent days crying about it. Now we're just angry and mad, and like they, they still will not share the, the findings in 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 in, um, in what's been done so far and. What are we supposed to do? How are we ever supposed to get that trust back? How are we ever supposed to hand our children over into their care again? You know, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now with my child. Okay, I, 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 I'd like to get in, in, into, into Paddy as, as a young man, yeah, right? as, as, sure, as yeah. a young boy. Okay, he's 14 years yeah. of age. He's awaiting yeah, he's his scoli- scoliosis yeah. surgery, but he was born with spina bif- bifida. Yeah. So, so he's, he's, he's permanently wheelchair bound. Uh, so yeah, he's a full-time wheelchair user. Um, he'd be, you could say, he's paralysed from his waist down. Um, you know, he has um, bowel and bladder issues, but he'd be a very active user. Besides, you know, he does uh, wheelchair basketball and everything else. But with his scoliosis deteriorating, it, it is affecting his his everyday life and his his hobbies and his social life and everything else. And not only internally, but it's it's beginning to show externally as well. You know, his curve would be higher up on his back and. Um, you know, he can feel his shoulder blade beginning to push out and you can visually see it. I can visually see him deteriorating in front of my eyes. You know, it's not, it's very obvious. And as it is for, for most of the, the children that are, are deteriorating at a fast pace. Is he positive? Um, is, he, is he a happy chap or is, is, is this really um, getting him down now? He, he is the most laid back, easygoing child you, you could meet. He's, he's so kind hearted and soft and he never complains about anything. But... He, I suppose, he had heard bits and pieces, but I had to kind of chat with him yesterday and kind of explain. You know, he's 14, like he's not, he's well aware of what's going on, but I had to actually tell him what happened because he needed to hear from me than hearing it on the news or anything else. And, you know, I had to explain, you know, nobody's going to do anything at the minute. We're we're trying to work it out, so don't be worrying. And by the grace of God, he wasn't called over the last year or two Mm. because... I can't imagine what all the other families are going through. It's just heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Now, his condition, of course, time is the enemy. Whereas other yeah. other parents are watching their children grow and flourish and be educated and, you know, becoming mm-hmm. adults over the course of time. It's time as Paddy's conditions help her and uh, it's time as Paddy's enemy. Yeah, like... The, the longer it's left, obviously, the worse the curvature will get. So it, it's affecting his lungs. So he already is, um, 
he'd already uh, earlier in the year we, we would have been seen it was a January or last December would be the last time we would have been seen and he had a um, an x-ray done on his back to see the progress and it had progressed but it's affecting his lung function so they estimated about 20% or more at that stage that he'd already lost and that's lung function he's not going to get back and that's obviously going to deteriorate as the curvature deteriorates so you know it affects his organs it affects his, his whole insides as well you know and then what it can also do is it can break the skin down on the outside which unfortunately some people are already at that that level of um of deterioration where the skin can break down with the bone pressing against skin God and, and it, it, it's horrendous like you've no idea the extent this can go to and what the damage it can do to their bodies but at the same time at the moment what would have been the better option to send them into Temple Street and, and, and undergo what's after happening mm. you know what, what's, what do we do who do we trust now? Where do we go from here? Well, answers are needed and, and they're needed quickly. Now, not just as to what has happened, but what is going to happen to remediate the, the, the both the active and the, the silly suspended waiting lists. It's all a waiting list. They're, yeah. they're all Irish citizens who have an entitlement to some health care. Um, Absolutely, and it's not new. This is not new. This just because this is broken over the the weekend. This this horrendous news. We are dealing with this every day for years. We are the highest rate of spina bifida in the world, and our care is absolutely pathetic. First, like it's just it's beyond believable the care for spina bifida patients. We we fight every day, and it seems to be the more disabled you are in this country, the less care you get, and the less care that's given for you. We are sick to our teeth of listening to, to Minister Donnelly and Simon Harris. They're same things over and over again. False promises, false hope, and nothing is done. Time now somebody's held responsible and somebody does something about it. And we want it to happen this time. We don't want to be back here again in a year's time with another serious scandal going on. This is constant. When is the end of it? When are our kids not going to suffer at their hands and their lack of care? Mm. They are not fit for purpose, in my opinion, as a parent. And it, is, it couldn't be any more obvious. Like, the, severe, the most severe thing you could possibly think has happened. So how is that not enough now for something to be really, really done about it? And they're still drip-feeding us information. We're still none the wiser. When does it change? We're lost, like... And they're all at their thinkings to see how they can prolong their political careers. And that's all that it's about for them. And um, yeah, that's, I, I won't even go too much into it because I, I'd be afraid what I'd say because it's just it's so maddening. Like our kids are our our world. Like you know, and every family that's speaking out over the last few days, we're parents. We're not spokespeople. Like we don't speak. Like we don't want to be online. We don't want to be doing this. Well, what choice have we got unless we speak out? Because they're not going to help us unless we put them in the spotlight. And that's all we can do. All we can do is shout as loud as we can. And that's what we're trying to do at the minute. But I just don't know. I've lost all faith and I, I don't know how I'll ever trust them with my son in their care again, to be quite honest. Have you go abroad funded yourself options? You see, this is this is a great option on paper. But the problem is our kids can go for surgery abroad but who's going to do the aftercare? Like, this can lead, as you've seen, this can lead to, one surgery could end up being a follow-up surgery, uh, like they need to be follow-up care. Um, another parent was on yesterday, her son had the, the surgery, and it can take 
two years of a recovery. So what are we supposed to do if we went over to Boston and got surgery done? Hop on a plane in Shannon if there's an emergency two, two or three days after coming home and go back to Boston again. It just doesn't work like that. And as far as I'm aware, the surgeons and the, the care here, they won't, they won't do post-op care here for other people's work abroad. So this is the problem. Yeah. Um, no, it's not just a surgery and it's fixed and it's done. That's not the way it works, especially for our kids who have complex medical needs. Yeah, of course, every surgery carries risk. I would imagine that uh, scoliosis crazy. surgery carries a, a high element of risk. What would uh, successful surgery in, entail and what would successful surgery do for Paddy? Um, well, if you had successful surgery, it would improve the quality of his life. Now, we were told that he could be okay for the next five or ten years, but if he didn't get the surgery now, that as a man of 30, 40, he could be hunched over in his wheelchair and not able to sit up straight and not able to breathe. So it was the few, you know, it, it would positively improve his, his quality of life in the future. But if we, positive care here in surgery in Ireland would mean multiple surgeons available uh, to look after your child and in theatre and to have the, the amount, we don't have the staff, the staff isn't even there to, to do the post-op care, nurses, um, high dependency nurses, doctors, like it, it's, it's a team that needs to be done and there's many teams needed for the amount of surgeries that need to be done in Ireland. Mm. Um, I just, I can't see how they're going to fix it quickly, I just don't know. Megan, I, I don't know some, sometimes sitting in this chair, it, it's easy to become a little detached uh, and, and for your own sanity, you'd have to, for, for some of the stuff that comes on the programme, you need to be, you know, you need to have a little bit of a thick skin. But your your situation has really gripped me today. Uh, I'm, I'm just picturing, and I don't know what Paddy looks like, I'm just picturing this happy-go-lucky child with a big heart whose condition is deteriorating all the time. Yeah, that's, that's the long and short of it. And nobody's doing anything about it. Um, I, yeah, that's, yeah. And as I say, he's still not complaining. He's still not, you know, as he's just, he's just, he is a very happy young lad. He's loads of friends. He's in mainstream school. And it's killing me on the inside and the outside to know that he's going through this. And that with each tick of the clock, with, with nothing being done, it's, mm-hmm. he, he's, yeah. he's getting worse. How long since he's had a medical review? Um, oh, I should have wrote dates down before I come on to you, but he, he was last seen by orthopedics, I think was December, and um, he would have had pre-ops and everything done last year, getting ready for a date for surgery, but the, the date obviously never came. Mm. You know, he would have been seen by, by all the, the, the pre-op team and, and heart specialists and anesthetists and everything, you know, but the date obviously never came. Um, but now... Like, I'm going to be requesting that we have second and third opinions on on what surgery he actually genuinely does need with everything that's gone on. You know, we we did take the word of one person, you know, that this is what he needed and and needs to be done now quick. But we need to look further into it. We need to get second opinions. We need to to know more and talk about it more. But when that will be, I don't know. And is there a consultant or a raft of consultants, the specialists in this area, here or in Europe, where that opinion, which wouldn't take away any any of your rights here in Ireland, where that that opinion could be formulated? Well, there is surgeons. There's surgeons who carry out scoliosis surgery, you know, in Crumlin and everything on 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 scoliosis patients who wouldn't have other um, medical issues or, or disabilities, you know, that would just maybe have scoliosis. And you know, they, them surgeries are being done and everything else, and you know. 
when when they say on the news that oh the surgeries are going ahead and they're happening and everything, it, it's just the actual scoliosis surgery patients who who may not have. It was all orchids that were left waiting and all orchids that were suspended and everything else, you know. So I'm not I'm not sure. Like, is there a specialist needed because they have spina bifida as well? Is is are the surgeons that are here not comfortable doing it because there's so much? Uh, because the kids have been left so long, there's so much extra um, emergencies happening with the surgeries. You know, is, is it is it that the other surgeons don't want to do them because they're too afraid to? We don't know. We don't know who is here and what what's happening, or you know. So we don't mm. know. The communication is non-existent. It doesn't happen. Nobody tells us anything. You know. So we, we don't know. Megan, this is the first interview I've done here that's brought me very, very close to tears. I can tell you that. Uh, how do you carry on? Well, for the kids, really. Like, you know, if I don't carry on, what are we supposed to do? You know, we just try and make the most of every day. And, you know, Paddy has a younger brother as well, and he's keeps keeps us all busy as well. And, you know, you just have to get on with it. But it's just, I don't know. I don't know how we're going to carry on after this because, as I said, the trust, I don't know how it's ever going to come back. Mm. And I And I think... I'm right in saying that all the parents feel like that at the minute, so. Okay, have a listen to this uh, in by text. Hi, listening to your show regarding uh, Scully. Oh, okay, okay, I'll read that later. Um, so mm-hmm. the, the the outlook for Paddy, um, sorry, that texture's coming on, so there's no point in me reading her text when I go exactly. to ask her about it. Okay, sorry about that. Um, Megan, uh, as regards the, the outlook for Paddy, um, if, if you had to appeal, who do you appeal to? How do you make progress here? Um, I don't know who or what we're supposed to appeal to at the minute because, like our advocacy group, dues, um, Amanda and Una, they are the, the leads of, of the advocacy group. They are phenomenal at the work they have done and are doing constantly every day. You know, they have their own families, their own kids, everything else, but they are fighting the fight for us as well. Um, and I suppose, you know, they are looking for the broader review on all orthopedic surgeries now and, and everything else. And there's a lot of... Uh, questions that, that need answering over the next I don't know how long before anything can, can happen um, and again that's precious time that's been wasted but well, you we, know, well if, if you pick up the, uh, the Irish Times today you'll, you'll see that there's, there's very senior governmental intervention now uh, with, with comment at least to the overhead current Stephen Donnelly uh, you know saying that uh, terms of reference will be widened there's going to be a spotlight shone here no, no stone will be unturned until we in, you know, better services, but yeah. uh, it, this this really needs to be accelerated quickly. This is... Um, false, false, false hope and false promises um, from the same people's mouth all the time and nothing to show for it. So I don't think any of us... Well, I don't. I can't speak for anybody else. I have no faith in what they say, to okay. be quite honest. Um, uh, it's... We need to see it, not hear it. So I think possibly the only thing you can continue to do for Patty is keep making noise. Yeah, that's all we can do for now and keep shouting, keep working together as parents and advocates and, you know, that's that's all we can do for now. You're an amazing woman, Megan Murphy. Thank you very much for coming on and speaking Thanks very much on, for on, me. on Paddy's very behalf and, 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 you know, being so being so strong about it. I don't know how you continue every day. It's Thanks just mad- maddening when, when, when time is actually your enemy, you know? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Thank, for me. thanks very you. much. Twenty six minutes after eleven. More in a moment. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six.
Red FM. Coming up on 11.30 uh, by text, uh, just to mention those lads at MCG Kayaks are just amazing, says Eilish in Tallow County, Waterford. And a very tongue-in-cheek one here. What type of weather forecast is that, Mick? There was every word in it. Rain, fog, mist, drizzle, dry, windy, wet, etc. You left out the leprechauns. Well done, that covers it all. Don't forget to mention Hurricane Nigel's on the way. I can read my own weather chart, but uh, the weather we're given here, uh, it does kind of tend to cover all bases, or cover their arse, I suppose, as you say. Let me read it again uh, to see if you're right. A mix of sunny spells, yes, sunny spells and widespread showers, yeah, yeah. Some of the showers will be heavy, a chance of isolated. Thunder, thunder's in there. It'll be windy. Fresh to strong and uh, gradually ease. Yeah, they're all in there. Clear spells, showers, thunder, wind. They're covering their bases. Uh, on the more serious issues now, uh, spina bifida by text. Uh, we have five or six texts in. It's most likely the problem with children's spines, uh, scoliosis, muscular dystrophy, etc., are due to a deficiency of selenium during pregnancy. This is worse in Ireland than mainland Europe uh, due to fluoride in Maine's water. Now, that's a subject unto itself. Another texter has... Uh, my son's hip has migrated out of its socket and that consultant in Temple Street told us if it wasn't put back in, he'd need a hip replacement. He said it would be done this past summer, but the hospital cancelled and now they're saying it'll be two years. Uh, my son is six and like Katie, he has cerebral palsy. Well, the texter says, I really can't believe what I'm hearing all morning on the station. It's shocking. The country is awash with money and this is happening. It's heartbreaking and not good enough. Maybe if they weren't Irish, it'd be different. Sorry now, but this is absolutely disgusting. Our government needs to go. Our own people need to be looked after. Hi, Mick. This crisis, uh, or scandal in brackets, has come to light. Where is the Taoiseach Tónishten, Minister of Health, over in New York playing games with the UN? Uh, disgraceful, uh, says Sean. I think the Taoiseach's in the country. Minister of Health's in the country. Uh, Michal could be back. I don't know. Uh, will people ever learn? Stop voting for Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael because your parents and grandparents did. They've failed us miserably and will continue to fail us. And uh, one more, and it's a long one though, from uh, about the new children's hospital. At the moment, the HSE haven't got enough doctors, nurses, consultants, surgeons, etc. to manage our normal hospitals. So how are they going to get thousands of trained people to run the children's hospital? Also, the government will open this hospital just before the elections to make themselves look good. Today is the return of the government after their six-week holiday. And where are they? In New York, looking good for the UN, talking about crises around the world when they have crisis after crisis here at home. But they don't seem that they don't seem to be a priority to this government. Also last week, councillors gave themselves €2,000 to fit CCTV to their homes. I put in a new CCTV system last month, four cameras, a recording box, plus a 21-inch monitor. It costs €950 in total to fit, and it's an excellent system. Uh, who uh, That is from Desi. And uh, just uh, a little note here about the production team from the Examiner on the 8th of May this year. Politicians who feel the need, uh, the need to beef up their security will be able to claim up to €5,000 towards the cost of CCTV and alarms. The Department of Public Expenditure has informed the Houses of the Oireachtas Commission uh, that it has sanctioned the spending uh, which it requested following consultations with TDs and Senators. Politicians can recoup 50% or 5,000, whichever is lower, the cost of the security measures required. What planet are these people living on? Let's go to line one and to Bernie and get back down to earth. Uh, hi, Bernie. Hi, Mike. How are you? I'm good. It's uh, It's been a very sobering programme, to be honest. Um, oh, a lot of people can't believe what they're hearing. I'm, I'm being ed- educated as well. 
Um, oh my God, I mean, when I, you know, I got a phone call from a friend of mine in Kerry asking me how to hear the news, because uh, my daughter, she's um, special needs, but she, she doesn't have spina bifida, she has Rett syndrome, and uh, I was busy with, uh, with Anne-Marie when the news broke, and I am just absolutely so angry. Now, I'm out the other end, thankfully, but still and all, you know, I can't... I can step right into the shoes of all the the misfortune children there and the parents, you know, that are fighting for this surgery. I mean, well, I go back 16 years. Can you believe that? 16 years and this is still going on. In fact, I, I think it's got worse. It's got so much worse. You know, I mean, my daughter, uh, she would just literally left aside when she needed the scoliosis surgery and... Um, you know, they were coming up with all these excuses as they're doing uh, today, saying that it's theatre space, and then they were needing to staff the theatre, and that they couldn't do uh, my daughter for these reasons. And um, yeah, thankfully, you know, I I sourced the surgeon in the UK, and um, 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 I got Anne-Marie over to the UK because they, the Irish Times... You know, I had gone to the media and they had, uh, uh, you know, gone into uh, children's, our ladies' children's hospital in Crumlin and demanded, you know, as to why Anne-Marie wasn't being seen because she, she was literally on death's door. Yeah, well, once it. again, m- media pressure. Let, let me uh, read from the Irish Times, uh, which might... Uh give people a more uh, more of an understanding of your position and uh, that of uh, Anne-Marie. Surgeons in Britain have successfully completed two operations on a Cork schoolgirl whose case was publicised earlier this year when her mother criticised the health service for failing to arrange surgery to straighten the girl's severely twisted spine. The HSE initially refused to foot the bill for €100,000, an operation in Britain on 12-year-old Anne-Marie Kelleher of Killavullen near Mallow in Cork. But the HSE changed its position after her mother, Bernie, highlighted the case in the media and an anonymous benefactor offered to fund the procedure. They've no problem giving themselves a €5,000 allowance to put cameras up around their houses. But now, Well, uh, well, Mike, you know, they, they, they didn't care less about how I was going to get Anne-Marie to the UK. She was on morphine at that stage, you know, and... And we went as a family, myself, my husband and my youngest daughter, and we really believed that, you know, we we probably weren't going to be coming back as a family at all because she was so, she, she was so, so bad. Her head was literally down to her hip. Oh, you my know? God. Yeah, but and, so you, you went as a family realising the risks that you might come home, a smaller family? Uh, we really did, you know, because... She she couldn't we couldn't feed her we couldn't get any medicine to her she couldn't drink I mean it, it was absolutely oh, when I think back on it and you know there's, there's families out there now this isn't about me and Emery now there's families out there that are going through the very same and you know just being ignored they're not even given direction as to where where they can possibly go what surgeon will help them you know, overseas. And, you know, transporting, uh, you know, your children uh, on a plane or on a ferry, you know, to another country. I mean, uh, good God almighty, it's some 
it's just unbearable to think. As, as you said at the start, Bernie, you're kind of about the other end of this, but I, I just want to make people aware that Irish Times piece that I read when you were doing the fighting and when you used the media to spotlight your case was from 2008. That's from 15 years ago. Well, it's 2007 when, uh, you know, Marie was up in Crumlin in April 2007 and it became crystal clear to me in September 2007 that they had no intention of, you know, looking at Marie. You know, never mind uh, carrying out surgery. And that's when I started uh, looking to see as to where I could take her. And we we left uh, we left for London uh, early early January for a private appointment with uh, a surgeon in the UK, you know, so he could take a look at Anne-Marie. And thankfully, mm. um, he was appalled and he said that he would carry out the surgery. Yeah, and, and appalled is right. Anne-Marie was assessed in Crumlin in June 2007. The curvature to her spine was put at 64 degrees. And in London in January, the following January, the Kellehers were told, you, you guys were told, it had worsened to more than 100%. Um, it was and 128 when she went for surgery. So that's becoming almost a, it's becoming almost a circle. I mean, and, and the trauma of the surgery, the putting these children, you know, um, into horrific surgeries, you know, like Anne-Marie had to have a root cage uh, cut away. She had to have a pelvic uh, bone uh, rebuilt. And then she had to have all the discs removed from her back. And uh, then the following week, they carried out the scoliosis surgery. I mean, it's abs- you wouldn't treat an animal this way, Mick. Yeah. You know, and, you know, Mary Harney was... Um, uh, health minister when uh, when I go fighting the case, how many health ministers have we gone through? Good few. Yeah, how, how's, uh, how is Anne-Marie today? She's uh, she's good. Uh, like, Anne-Marie has Rick syndrome, you know, so it comes with an awful lot of other complications. We're, we're, uh, we're not so good when it comes to see we're going through a bad patch now as regards seizures. But, but as regards her spine scoliosis she's absolutely brilliant yeah. now because of your inter- intervention red syndrome by the way is a particularly cruel disorder which causes a progressive loss of motor skills and language right. and it kind of affects the way the brain develops yeah yeah that's mm. right now Anne-Marie um, she, she, she can stand she can walk once we hold on to her she can you know on a good day Anne-Marie could walk two or three miles for you you know really uh, oh god yeah and above in uh, Crumland, they told uh, myself and my husband when she was 64 degrees that they would hope to get Anne-Marie back to 45 degrees. And that's when I alarm bells were going off in my head and I was thinking, my God, to go through this surgery to come out with 45-ish. And what was it eventually? We, we Well, uh, when she went for her surgery, she was 128 and um, now you wouldn't notice uh, looking at Emery. There's still a slight bit of a curve at the top of yeah. the spine. Well, I mean, but 90 degrees know, is a right angle, and she was 128 degrees. Yeah, I mean, this wasn't about uh, cosmetic or how she looks. I mean, this will literally life and death, you know. Mm. Ber- Bernie, um, um, can I ask you? Time is against me. Can, can I just ask you your advice to any parents fighting the system as you did 15, 16 years ago? Really and truly, I know we're in different times, but 
I would uh, I would definitely um, get a second opinion. Um, you know, from uh, obviously no spinal surgeon here wanted to even consider looking at us. You know, um, but you know, over in the Royal um, National Orthopaedic Hospital in London, they're absolutely outstanding. You know, and the uh, we we flew back for our aftercare, um, and thankfully, you know, the surgeon said there's uh, there's nothing that can be done in theatre that you know you can stand over and say it be a hundred percent guaranteed. But he said I am ninety nine point nine percent sure. He said that this is going to be so successful, and Emery will stand, and Emery will walk again. Above in Crumlin, they told me that if they carried out the surgery in Emery, she would never stand, let alone walk. We need more expertise here. We surely have the money. Oh, uh, the, the government and their new fiscal policy are, are, are keeping a lot of the, can we call it a windfall corporation tax? They're not regular. They won't be every year. Uh, but there's billions being put aside in a sort of a rainy day fund. Access some well, of that. Get the, us the expertise and get these children fixed. The spinal surgeon that I did, uh, my daughter, he couldn't believe uh, Amory's file when it landed over to him. He said it was absolutely appalling. Yeah, and, and uh, earlier intervention might have helped her. Bernie, I have to leave it there. Well done for all you've done for Anne-Marie. Well, and thinking of all the other core families and, uh, you know... Uh, fight this. You've just got to fight. Uh, it's a continuous battle and um, you know, Mickey can call it what you want but it's it's absolutely uh, abuse and neglect. It's an absolute you know, dereliction of, of, of young children and, and their, their rights to proper health here. Uh, look, all we can do is keep highlighting, keep making noise, keep fighting. Exactly. Bernie, thank you so much and good morning to you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye bye. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818 104 106. And it's 13 minutes to 12 midday. We didn't want to let this day go by without mentioning a very auspicious anniversary. The silver anniversary, nothing to do with weddings, uh, of Paul Byrne as Southern correspondent with Virgin Media News. Of course, not always under that title. Congratulations, Paul. Thank you, Michael. I have my walking frame at this stage. It's been so long. <laughs> I've been working with you a bit longer, but that is a long stint in any gig. Can you tell us how you got it? Yeah, 25 years ago, Virgin Media, well, then TV3 came on the air. I've been with them since day one. Uh, basically, look, like a lot of broadcasters, I cut my teeth in pirate radio at multi-channel television here in Cork. Uh, I was always involved in broadcasting and in the media. Uh, I've been at it since I was 14. But along came an offer of the Southern Correspondence gig with uh, then TV3. I had been, you know, working in news and um, luckily enough, I landed the job and here I am 25 years on. But I wouldn't be where I am if it wasn't for the people who have trusted me over the years to share their story, to tell their story. They've shared them with me. I relay their information, their story. And um, it's, a, it's an honour, it's a privilege. And I'm extremely grateful to everybody who has uh, helped me along the way. It's, it's been an amazing um, roller coaster. Yeah, not a very happy start from a reporting sense because your first report was the killing of a teenager. Yeah, unfortunately, um, that was the very first report I did. Uh, a, a young boy stabbed to death uh, here in Cork. And, you know, Mick, I've gone on, I, I reckon, in the last 25 years to cover close to 100 murders. And sadly, many of them are children, people who have just 
kids who have had horrific deaths and it's just heartbreaking to see the loss of life over the years. And you've inter- interviewed some, you know, some, on some of Ireland's biggest drug seizures uh, in the history of the state. You've interviewed the rich, you've interviewed the poor, the vulnerable, the most vulnerable, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, as you said, yeah, the richest of the rich, the most vulnerable of the vulnerable. And But somebody said, who do I prefer to interview? And being honest, I prefer to, uh, I'd love interviewing Mr. and Mrs. Murphy, Mr. and Mrs. O'Sullivan on the street. Those people who are at home watching the television this evening, they're the, the punters. I love punters. Um, you just can't beat human interest stories. And uh, I think that is what, that's what's been um, part of Virgin Media's success, mm. the news that we've just gone out there and given people here in the South a voice. Because, like, I suppose over the years, um, other broadcasters, nothing happens outside the M50, and it certainly does. And we, We've helped people to to put Cork on the map, as it were. Yeah, but as well as Joe and Mary Bloggs, you've interviewed uh, such luminaries as Bill Clinton. That's right, Bill Clinton, uh, all the major politicians, national and international. Uh, there was a lovely lady interviewed many, many years ago, Milvina Dean. I knew her. She was the young... Did you, yeah, did you meet her? I did, yeah, and we were pen pals yeah. for a little while. Oh, yeah, she was the youngest... Um, survivor of the Titanic. I think she was only, what, two she was four, months 14 old. months of age when she was put into lifeboat number seven. Lovely she lost her father and her brother, yeah. She's, she's the last survivor, yeah. yeah. But you, you also interviewed a man who rode a horse on the day of his 100th birthday. That's right. There was this guy, a man, he said, if I reach 100, it's my ambition to ride a horse. And he yeah, fulfilled his dream. And there we were filming him. Um, it was a man finally story, a lovely story. And I said, this could go pear-shaped because I said if he falls and <laughs> killed, it's top story rather than the end finally, you know. What, one of the uh, longest persisting stories, uh, of course, in this neck of the woods, in this geography, uh, is one that you won an award for, Paul, your documentary on the murder of Sophie Toscan de Plantier. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a mystery. People are puzzled. People ask me every day of the week, uh, who killed Sophie Toscan de Plantier? And you know what? I give them the answer that they don't want to hear because I don't know. One day I say such and such a person, the next day I say another person. And it's the same, another mystery has been the Tina mm. Satchwell, the disappearance of Tina yes. in East Cork. Uh, again, it's a mystery uh, which I think will never be solved, but I think there's a better chance of solving the murder of Sophie Tuscan de Plantier. You have uh, a new set of eyes, as in a new team of detectives uh, scouring over that uh, case at the moment. Yeah, and of course, you, you, you had your American soiree. You were on patrol with uh, New York's finest, the NYPD. You did some news reports over there, and you got a bulletproof jacket out of that one. Christ, you've done your research. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, we were over in America filming, um, doing stories about the Irish living in America, the Irish who were coming back. And at one event, I met the head of the bomb squad in New York who happened to hail from Mallow as you do and I asked him about getting a ride along as they call it with the cops and he put me in touch with the youngest police captain in the America who was a captain in the Bronx Fort Apache the toughest precinct 
in New York. Uh, this guy, Paul McCormick, he was the captain. He's from Donegal. Himself and his brother later went on to head up the investigation into 9-11. But uh, we spent two nights with the NYPD and it was an experience of a lifetime. Bulletproof jackets. Uh, the, guard, the, the police were chasing gunmen across roofs and we were filming them, running along with them. An absolute incredible experience. But likewise, I've done this very same thing here with the emergency services. We've been out with the police, the guards, the fire service, the National Ambulance Service, and you know, they're incredible people, our emergency services here. Well they done, Paul. Great to us. They've been great to us over the years. A fabulous quarter of a century for your 25th anniversary today as Southern Correspondent with Virgin Media News. I have my particular happy memories too about the time we were on traffic, you remember? And I was saying, Red Sky at Night, Sailor's Delight, and you corrected me and said, No, 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 it's uh, Shepherd's Delight. And uh, and and slag me off saying, "Hey, Mick, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think you were into sailors." And I said, "I didn't know you were into sheep, Paul." <laughs> but listen, I let you go. We have one more call to squeeze in. But uh, the very best. Congrats on twenty-five years. And I still, you're, I, I hope you're still able to ride on your hundredth birthday. I hope so, a horse that is. Mick, but can I just say before you go, I want to thank everybody at Red FM there because we've worked together very, very closely over the years. We've been uh, good pals. I want to thank all of the people who have supported Virgin Media News and who've come to me with their stories. Thank you to each and every one of you because honestly, it, it means an awful lot. And also, I want to say thanks to my wife Deirdre, my son Callum, my little princess Charlie May. They're the, the family and uh, without them and their support and my late mum and dad who've been great supporters of me over the years and helped me with everything. So, uh, thank you, Mick. Okay, give, me, give me the sign-off there. <laughs> Paul Byrne, Virgin Media News, Cork. Thank you, Paul. Congrats. Cheers. Bye-bye. <laughs> Final call on the Neil Prendival Show for my tenure here. Neil returns tomorrow morning. Joe Dalton, good morning. Good morning, Mick. How are you? I'm very good. As quickly as we can, let's give you as much publicity as we can. 30th of September, uh, there's a big event on. It's a Shine a Light Suicide prevent, uh, Prevention and Mental Health Awareness. Tell me about the event. Yeah, Mick. The, the event is, is um, in its fifth year and um, it's called Hashtag Make Some Nice Cock. And it's to promote um, uh, positive mental health for people. It also um, includes um, letting people know, you know, the resources that are in their areas locally and nationally. And also then we had music with all local clock artists taking part, giving their services free for the event. And um, it's on in the, the dance cork for Concrain on the 30th of September. Doors open at 7pm and um, at 7.45 it kicks off. That's we're brilliant. And, and, and tickets at the Fergan Crane, you can get them for €9, Euro, but you can get them on the website. Uh, small service charge if you book online. Let's go through some of the lineup. Miles Gaffney, uh, he's been on here quite a bit. The Cabin. Paul McCarthy, my old buddy from uh, Hello My Friend, doing amazing work in the, in the, in the positive mental health area. Uh, yeah. Correa Power and Dylan Brickley, who we had in here a couple of weeks ago to play us out on a Friday. There's going to be raffles in the night as well. Firkin Crane, nine euros, and uh, it's the 30th of September. It's called Make Some Noise. It's in aid of Shine a Light, Suicide Prevention and Mental Health uh, Awareness. Joe, we don't have the best of lines, so I'll continue to uh, just finish this off myself because we can't really hear what you're saying. But thank you very much. Okay, Nick, thank you. Thank Thanks, you okay. Time. Just a little attenuation on the line there. Find it hard to hear on 30th of September in aid of Shine a Light Prevention and Mental Health Awareness, the Firkin Crane Centre, €9 Euros, uh, and also on the website 
with a small booking charge. That's my lot. My thanks to the Neil Prendival Show producers. That is Seamus Wheelahan, Kevin Galvin and Claire O'Connor. And Neil Prendival returns tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning very bravely uh, within a week uh, of the passing of his dear dad. So Neil will be with you after a nine o'clock news in the morning. This is Mick Mulcahy. Talk to you, I think, sometime in December. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.